So here we go. A very strange thing has happened. A king, the son of Ahab, understand what that is, the son of Satan, basically. Very evil man, and his son is right in that line. Not quite as bad because the son is usually not as bad as the senior devil. He decides that he gets angry because a nation was paying his father tribute. 100,000 lambs, 100,000 of animals. And he decides, that nation decides that they're not going to pay tribute anymore because Ahab is dead. So Moab decides he's going to break the agreement. The king gets a little ticked off and he decides that he's going to make an allegiance with another king, Jehoshaphat. And he says, will you help me attack Moab to get my sheep back? This guy's supposed to pay me this tax. Because daddy died, he thinks he doesn't have to pay me anymore. Jehoshaphat, amazing, a wonderful king, but always making illegal alliances to get himself in an awful mess. Doesn't learn his lesson, he did it with his father. And again, he joins with an evil person and he's unequally ill. So where does he end up? In a mess. So then he decides, you know, let's go a whole nother way. They get a military strategy that's mind-boggling. Let's say we want to go to Long Island to Queens. They say, we got to go to Queens. So let's go to New Jersey first and then we'll go to Queens. They went this long, long route because they wanted to surprise them and also pick up another king along the way, the king of Edom. So now you got these three kingdoms, huge. Any one of them could have pulverized Moab. I mean, Russia, China, and the United States going against some little tiny island. It's ridiculous. They could destroy them with their breath. But a slight thing happens to give us a very important first lesson. They're in the desert. They took such a long, long route that they ran out of water. And they're in the middle of the desert and it's parched and there isn't a drop. The riverbeds are dry, the streams are dry. And what do you do with a couple of hundred thousand men and there's no water? So these mighty, mighty armies are stopped dead in their track because they don't have a cup of water. What a lesson. No matter how big you are, you're sooner or later going to need what the water represents, the Holy Spirit. You think you can do this because you got an education or the stock market is just right or you got to figure it out. And the most important lesson is without the Holy Spirit, forget it. The church is run on the power of the Holy Spirit. The saved individual doesn't pay enough attention to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the power and the authentication of God. So they decided we're so big and strong, we're going to be clever and take this secret route, pick up another king, and we're going to annihilate him and take everything. Except, where's the cup of water? The whole premise is to think, before you do anything, come to the conclusion that you can't do it. Let's say things have been tough for you. Exactly. And in your own strength, there's always going to be a tough moment. But when you turn your life over to the Holy Spirit, and you go in the favor and power of God, something different happens because you're dealing in this supernatural realm. So these mighty kings come, and they're in a mess. Finally, one of the kings, Jehoshaphat, the good one, says, Good Lord, isn't there a prophet somewhere around here that can help us? Amazingly. No, no, no. Incredibly. Elijah is there. You have to stop for a moment and pause. What in heaven's name is Elijah doing there? Why? 
No one invited him. They didn't even know he was there. The kings had no clue. A little servant knew that he was there. And what that shows is, even though you're getting into a mess, God had long before prepared the answer for that mess. He knew you might need help, and he has the preparation and the mess already taken care of. You think you're in a mess today? God's got the answer for you yesterday. You just got to figure out how to get it. So God, with this illegal alliance, sent the prophet knowing these dumbos are going to get themselves so messed up. I got to send them the prophet and teach them a wonderful lesson. And there he is. They call the prophet. The prophet is indignant that Abraham's son is here. I wouldn't give you the time of day, you devil. I mean, man, did he let him, he lashed out. He let him have it. So he goes, but because of Jehoshaphat, I'll talk to you. Boy, make sure you hang out with the right people. Sometimes even though you may be in a little bit of a mess and your life is a little messy and you're a little messy, Make sure you got a good, mature Christian guy around somewhere because God will bless you for him or her. Can you imagine that? He wouldn't give you the time of day maybe because you're such a sinner. But if you are next to some good people that are trying, God's going to say, man, I ought to, uh, no, God bless you because you with him. What a lesson. Be careful who you hang with. Make sure you got somebody good around you. You know, the cream will rise to the top. The water will raise all the boats. Make sure, make sure, I'm not kidding. Make sure, because that's a covering that you come under the wings of that Christian. You come under the covering of a local church. Make sure you attend the church with a candlestick and a covering, because then you get in under that, that protection. The devil can take off that little baby line of little baby elephant right from the herd. But if he's with mama and papa and a hundred other elephants, there ain't no way he's getting that little baby. So make sure, make sure, and you'll be covered by the grace of that other individual. Even husbands that aren't saved, the Bible says you never know, but the husband is covered with the believing wife and so are the children. Amazing the grace of God that Elijah's there and he'll bless this son of a gun because Jehovah is with him. So the prophet seems to be in a bad mood. I would be too. And he says, go get me a minstrel. Can you imagine these three kings again? No, go flying around saying, who can play? And we need a minstrel. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Three kings, hundreds of men, thousands of men dying. You're in the middle of a desert. You haven't drank in a day. You know the end is near. And the prophet's ticked off because you're with this guy. But he says, go get me a minstrel. You want to what? I want somebody who can play. We're going to have a party. Okay. And he goes to go get a minstrel. Could you imagine? We need a minstrel. Where's their minstrel? And the minstrel comes. Would you ever, as we get to the end of this story, the minstrel played, we'll get to it. The kings are saved. Would you ever think that a minstrel would think? Did it ever dawn on him that he would play and save hundreds of thousands of people? Does that ring a bell with any of you guys who play a minstrel? Did you ever think that what you do is so vital to God, so important, that he would declare a word because of your playing and armies and nations would be saved? If only the singers and the minstrels understood the gift they have. Because clearly God gave it to you. I can't sing a lick and I'm ticked off that I can't. I wish I could. I can't. And I've tried. And people say, don't try anymore. I, what a blessing to sing. 
to play. I wish I could. Don't you if you don't? They're so gifted and they're so spoiled. Because they think it's nothing. They just open up their mouth and out comes beauty. Man. Good Lord. So this guy has a gift to save nations. And he does. And you minstrels. You who sing, who play. You have the exact same gift. You ought to use it. I'm telling you. The blessing of being able to say, I am a minstrel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You ought to act like it and play like it and save like it. What a point. So this guy, a prophet, Elijah, double portion guy. And this message is what happens when you pick up a mantle, by the way. This is the answer of what to do now that you put that mantle on. So this prophet now can't get a word. The minstrel comes and immediately this guy is now prophesying. What does he say? This minstrel opens up heaven, causes a word of deliverance. Oh my Lord. Listen to this, because you can't make this stuff up. He says, thus saith the Lord. God came on him. Thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thus saith the Lord, you shall not see the wind, neither shall you see the rain, yet the valley shall be filled with water that you may drink, both you, your cattle, and your beasts. What? Go dig ditches? As I said before, middle of a desert, we need water. We're dying of thirst. And the answer is to expend more energy, perspire, go get shovels and begin to make the valley entirely full of ditches? Yes. The motto, reason, lesson, give God something that he can fill. Do something that God can bless. I've never seen God not bless a working man for God. Never seen it. Never seen it. Give God something to work with. Okay, I'll send water. You don't have the ditches. How are you going to capture the water? What's the sense? So God is saying, you want water? Oh, I'll send you water. Dig ditches. Dig ditches. Yeah, dig ditches. Dig a ditch. It's a spiritual principle. Do something for God. Start a cell group. Preach a gospel. Talk to somebody. Dig a ditch. Dig a ditch in the street. Dig a ditch in your house. Dig a ditch at work. Dig a ditch in your school. Do something for God that he can bless. You just can't sit here. Bless me for nothing. Prepare for the blessing. See, most people, most people, most people, I repeat, 99% of the people will expand after the blessing comes. That's why God gave us empty buildings everywhere before the congregations came. Prepare for the blessing. Have some faith. I got ticked off. I have a little bit of a temper when it comes to these things. A couple of weeks ago, 11 o'clock service, the prayer requests were coming in from all over the world. And we run out of prayer cards. What? What do you mean we don't have enough prayer cards? Well, we didn't expect so many people. Well, start expecting it for crying out loud. Start expecting God's going to bless you. Start preparing for enormity of your blessing. Live in your future, not in your present. Act like God's going to do something in your life. Give him some expectation, some faith. Prepare for the blessing. Dig a ditch somewhere in your life. Somewhere. Do something where you're preparing for a move of God. Where you say, God, I've done this, now bless it. Man, make the valley full. Expend yourself for God. And he'll begin to fill you and fill you and send you prosperity beyond your wildest dreams. Where can you dig a ditch? 
Where can you make an effort that he'll bless you? Where can you dig a ditch into someone's life? Visit that young child, pick him up and bring him to church. Go hold a Bible study. Why can you not assemble 8, 10, or 12 people in your house and conduct a Bible study? Have a little pancakes, french fries, make it a little meal, have fun, and tell stories about your life and one another, and then bring in God. Why can't you do that? You do it for July 4th, you do it for birthday parties, we do it for everything. Why not for God? Why not have a party for God? I'm having a God party. Come on over, hamburgers, french fries, hot dogs, all sorts of food, Chinese food, Italian food. Why? You can't do that once every couple of weeks and then turn it into once a week? Why can't you dig a ditch? Why can't you do something for God to let the water run in your life? Do something so you have a place to capture the blessing of God. If they would not have dug a ditch, there would have been no place for God to put the water. What a lesson. But what's amazing is someone else dug a ditch a long time ago. His name was Jesus. Where he saw you and he said, I'm going to make a but an effort here. Yeah, I am. I'm going to go to that earth and I'm going to dig and I'm going to dig and I'm going to make an effort because I know they're going to come to me. I know they're going to get saved because I don't want them to go to hell. I want to save them. And he goes to this cross and suffers. What an effort. What a ditch. And then he's tortured <laughs> with the lance of shreds on the back of a whip on his back. He dug a ditch with thorns digging into his head. Yeah, what a ditch. With his body shred to pieces. Yeah, that's an effort. And boy, did he dig a ditch. He went down to the deepest ditch in creation, the middle of the earth, hell, where there he withstood the fires of a black flame and the demons and hordes of sin. So we would not have to. Yeah, what a ditch. And then he resurrects in, in power and glory. And then that's not enough. He sends his Holy Spirit to dig ditches, to make an effort to work for us and on us. What a Jesus. What a God. What an effort he expended for us. And yet all he has for us, give me something to work with. If you need the water of life, if you need substance, do something that I can bless. Make the valley full of ditches. Keep working and working. Do something. You can join Sunday school. Listen, you know how many people expect and they live in expectation and they work prior to the blessing? The Bible says, right? Expand your borders, stake your tents wide. Why? Why does he say, expand why because the blessing is coming that's why read it in isaiah 54 expand push out the stakes why because i'm about to bless you you know how many people work in advance i was at walmart just before they closed it was late i was surprised they closed that late all of a sudden out of nowhere come these pallets with pallet jacks those are big things this tall full of I mean, 60 of them lining the hallways. And I go, what the heck is that? They're preparing for tomorrow. 
They know, they don't think or hope someone's going to come. They know they're coming in that store by the thousands to buy. They know, they prepare in advance. They know it's coming. Home Depot, same thing. The farmer preparing weeks, months in advance. The barn's clean, the machinery clean, the soil ready, knowing there's a harvest coming. They prepare, they dig ditches. They know amazing stuff is going to happen. The Christian just wants it to happen. No! You put on that mantle. Now do something for God. Strike the Jordan. Take the poison out of the food. Bless the people. Give God the ditches and he will fill it for you and you'll be mind-boggling. Your mind will be bothered. Mind bothered. Listen, I am telling you, create space for God to give you a blessing. Give him something that he can fill in your life. You can't do nothing and expect for twinkle dust to fall from the sky. It doesn't work that way. The Bible says, I will bless the work of your hands. That's what it says. Listen, if I could pull this up. There's a guy in the Bible. He was told by Elijah to strike the ground multiple times. He only strikes it three times and the prophet was livid with him, furious. If only you would have done it aggressively more, you would have annihilated the enemy. But he was just casual about it, casual, and he got nothing. Peter is told, let down your nets, plural. He says, oh God almighty, there ain't nothing coming out done it this all night. As for those people, I've tried this, it hasn't worked. Stop it! Let down your nets. Prepare for the blessing. Make it large. Make it full. God wants to inundate you with blessing. So he doesn't. He only sends out one net. The net breaks and he loses all the fish. Makes no sense. Joshua tells the tribe, how long is it going to be before you take that mountain? But a prophet speaks to another, a king, excuse me, to another king and says this. It's one of the best scriptures in the Bible. You should look it up. I think it's 2 Kings. Listen to this. He speaks to the other king. You know that Ramoth Gilead is ours, right? The Syrian king gave it to us, right? Yeah, that's ours. Well, you know what? We don't have it. We haven't taken it. It's one of the most incredible scriptures in the Bible. We know Ramoth is ours, right? Yeah. And the Syrians gave it to us, right? Yeah. But we didn't take it. We don't have it. It's this lethargy and not digging ditches, not realizing that God wants us to work. Listen to this. God will lavish you with good things, children from your womb, offspring from your animals, and crops from your land. The land that God promised you that he would give you, God will throw open the doors of his sky vaults and pour rain on the land and schedule you properly and bless the work that you take in hand, digging ditches. You will lend to many nations, but you yourself will never have to take out a loan. God will always make you the head. You will never be the tail. Listen to this. You'll always be the top dog, never the bottom dog. As you obediently listen and diligently keep the commands of God that I am commanding you today, don't swerve an inch to the right or to the left from the words that I am telling you today. Don't go off following other ideas or worshiping other gods. See, ladies and gentlemen, the word is clear. You picked up the mantle for what? What exactly do you intend to do with it? I hope you do, sir, because you will see blessing after blessing after blessing. 
If that's what you're going to do, those rivers are going to flow. Now watch this. Watch this. Because this is precious. And, and I really mean it. It's just unbelievable. After he tells them you're going to drink the water, he says, and this is but a light thing in the sight of God. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. In other words, God said, what I'm about to do for you is nothing if you will only dig the ditches. If you will obey in advance, then I will bless you. But as I said, people want the blessing in advance and they'll respond. But that's not the way God works. Show faith in advance. Anticipate, God, I am going to start a Bible study. I am going to start preaching the gospel and giving out tracts. Father God, I'm going to start a cell group. I'm going to go to radio stations and try to preach the gospel. I'm going to call my aunts and uncles and cousins in foreign countries and I'm going to preach to them. You're digging ditches. You're making an effort. You're giving God something where he, now he can bestow a blessing. You're making room for the visitation of God. You've now made space in order to receive what God wants to give you. This is so true. It is such an immense teaching now that you have the mantle. Is it a light thing? Is it a light thing? I will give you the hand of Moab. Can you imagine that? They were concerned about winning this battle. And God already had the prophet there with the word. He knew they were going to make mistakes, but he was going to correct them and put them on the right path. Ladies and gentlemen, make a decision. Give God something to work with. Join ministry. Serve others. Forgive others. Begin to walk in the light of God and be a light for other people. And you will be so amazed how the water came in the morning. We already did that with the offering. In the morning sacrifice, the water now unleashed at the time of offering and sacrifice. But that also means your personal sacrifice. Maybe you got to give up Thursday night football for the first half. Or maybe you invite a couple of guys over to watch with you and slip in Jesus along the way with the turkey sandwiches. Or maybe you can go walking on a Saturday morning with a walking club or running club and invite a guy from job who's a little overweight and wants to lose weight and you slip in Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, all these people in all these ministries work tirelessly because they never wanted you to go to hell. They wanted to save your soul. Jesus dug the biggest ditch of all to save your soul. Don't let that go. I'm going to ask you in a moment to say a prayer with me, to invite Christ into your life, but also to dig a ditch. And I believe and pray that your enemies that you think you have will be vanished at the time of your sacrifice. When you give your heart and life to God and you say, God, what do you want me to do? That's what you can do. You can preach to someone today in the name of Jesus. God bless you.